Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 284 of the podcast. It's the 29th of June, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Lane Clark about her unschooling journey, diving deep into what she's learned through de-schooling. Lane's journey began when her family was living abroad and felt their best option was homeschooling. When their carefully chosen curriculum didn't feel like a good fit, she discovered unschooling and has been questioning all of the boxes were put in by mainstream society ever since. We talk about how de-schooling felt like opening Pandora's box. Helene has found that her unschooling community helps her navigate her tendency to overthink things and how her new ways of thinking inspire her to plant seeds of change in her community. It's such a rich conversation. Before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who's chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now, here's my conversation with Lane. Welcome. I'm Ham Laricchia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Lane Clark. Hi, Lane. Hi, Pam. I have really enjoyed getting to know you a bit over the last few months in the network, and I am so excited to learn more about your unschooling experience. Thank you. So, to get us started, can you share with us a bit about you and your family and I'd love to hear what everybody's interested in right now. Yeah. Um, so we are a family of four humans and one cat. Um, we have settled in northern Michigan, where I'm from, after a decade or so of traveling and, and being a loper. Um, I am a, for, a former social worker. I'm now a business owner book lover, tea drinker, and I'm currently very into British murder mystery shows. Taking a deep dive on all of those. And I'm like, got a notebook where I'm ranking them and stuff. Um, (laughs) My husband is Canadian. He is a retired professional hockey player and um, now has a regular person job. (laughs) And we live here. He loves, um, you know, being outside, campfires. He's very extroverted, having friends over, and his current interest is golf because golf season is starting up again, and that's one of his passions. So this time of year, he's always really excited. Um, We have a 10-year-old, and she is an extroverted, like, friend magnet, ball of energy, ball of emotions, and she is really into um, fantasy in general, Wings of Fire specifically, a lot of, you know, talking with her friends and making fan fiction and 
really going into that world. Um, And our seven-year-old is a little more introverted, gentle heart, and she is really into drawing, creating um, new types of animal hybrids with her drawings and having a lot of um, quiet time for that. So that's kind of what we're up to. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, We'll have to touch base about shows. Make sure we... Yeah. I have a full list. I can give you my rundown. (laughs) My husband is literally at the golf course right now. (laughs) Yep. Mine would be if he could be. (laughs) (laughs) So that is lots of fun. And I love hearing, you know, just how uh, your your kids dive into what, what they love, right? They just... Like, so it's stories and then it's fan fiction yeah. and it's lots of conversations and it's just seeing them approach the their interests in the way that works for them, right? Yeah, they love a deep dive. They definitely both are prone to like phases of very intense. And then all of a sudden I'll ask about it. They're like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm like, <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I know, I know. I, and I think that's something um, people can can feel like parents can feel, oh, you know, did I get it wrong or something? But no, when we ask and they say, oh, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not interested in that. It's just a little bit more information. It's like, oh, well, that's really interesting. Yeah. The the thing I always, the the thing I say to myself in my own head is don't make it mean something like not because that is what I do. I read into everything. I'm an overthinker. Oh, yeah. Um, And so when I get into that place. I just say, don't make it mean something. They're just done with that. And and often they circle back around. I don't know if your kids were like that, but like it just kind of cycles in and out. So yeah. Who knows what's next? Right. Right. What's next. And then like two or three things down the road, even if it doesn't fully cycle back, you can see there's a piece of it. Yeah. Forward, right. Absolutely. Right? It is yep. so mm-hmm. interesting, but yes, you need to be open and patient and don't make it a thing. Don't make it a thing. I'll discover. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so how did you discover unschooling? And what did your family's kind of move to unschooling look like? Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, conventionally schooled in public school in a rural setting and was very like classic. Tell me what's next. Like star student teacher's pet. What's the next step? What's the next benchmark? Um, so I really didn't have homeschooling at all or anything like that on my radar ever. Um, but we were living abroad. And as my daughter approached kindergarten age, my oldest, I was like, well, I guess I have to homeschool. Um, and so that sort of sent me down um, the internet rabbit hole of curriculums. And as soon as I sort of chose one, and there's lots of wonderful, really in wonderful, wonderful resources. But when I chose one that I thought would work for us, it immediately really didn't. It was stressful for us both. We were both resisting it. And so I started as someone who loves learning, I sort of started down the beautiful rabbit hole of books, blogs, podcasts, learning about how learning works. And that's when I really started to um, untangle my own thinking about learning as like a human activity versus education as a social construct. And that was a really new concept for me. Now it seems really natural, but 10 years ago, I was like, Oh, um, and eventually, you know, found the term unschooling and kind of dove into some classics, John Holt, Peter Gray and all the things. Um, and what, what has felt good about it and supportive to our family for me is that it's not like a thing you can complete. It's a journey. It's, um, like I call us unschool year, unschoolish, because I'm not 
you know, I'm always untangling more and there's no done and um, other types of homeschooling for me felt too restrictive because I, I am in a way the the lack of structure of unschooling is good for my overachiever tendencies because there are no boxes to tick off. Whereas as soon as you give me any, I will try to do it. So um, other things that involved more curriculums or more time sensitive or ordered learning, I would immediately get sucked into that. Even though there's like nuggets of gems of wonderful things in every type of homeschooling, I know my own self, I get too um, stuck on the structure. Um, and so it just has felt really supportive to us in that way. Wow. I, I love that. And those are such helpful. Doesn't seem like a strong enough word, but observations about the journey, because when, when we first come to unschooling and we, we hear kind of what it looks like, mm. we can like personality wise kind of make it as a checklist Mm-hmm. of things like I don't teach them we don't use curricula you know and we tick down those boxes and I was even like when I when I wrote the unschooling journey book I was like I wrote in there not to use it even the stages inside the journey as something to tick off okay yep yeah, I'm through stage oh yeah stage two absolutely come, right because that just won't work because you're not fully present in the moment when you're judging yourself as to how far along and entirely each stage is all about us and the work we're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. So somebody from the outside can't tell you (laughs) what things are important to work through. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that such a, that's such a big piece of it. And to be able to um, release the idea that there are rules and that there's a certain way that this should look. And um, like we talk about it often as a lifestyle, as we embrace it. Sure. The thing is that it it is never done, even though maybe you've processed through the bulk of it, things will always come up, right? My yeah. Mind. And, you know, it's sort of like the cycles we said where kids come in and out of interest, like everything is on a loop, um, you know, in nature and in our lives. And um, I go back through similar um, doubts or fears or similar celebrations over and over again, but they're they're felt differently after the the experience I've had in between those two cycles. Um, So the fears might not be as you know, poignant and the celebrations might feel bigger or, you know, it just changes depending what happened between the times I'm, I'm feeling through those things, but it doesn't stop them from continuing. Oh, yeah. yes. I love that because we do loop back to things. And mm-hmm. for me, the, the image, I, I think of it as peeling back layers, but you're right. They come back as a loop and then each time it is different. I'm finding something, a new aspect of it, or I'm finding a new connection to myself because in that interim time, I've learned more about myself. I've peeled back something else that all of a sudden now new connections are coming. So there, even in stuff that we're quite comfortable with, there are always more layers to it, right? Always. Yes. (laughs) It's comforting and daunting, but yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes you just want to be done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. But I mean, and that's, that realization is kind of where I get, where you get to unschooling is a lifestyle. Unschooling 
just living life. And all this stuff is part of of living as a human being living. Yeah, absolutely. It's not for me, it doesn't feel so much as like a, a part of my identity so much as just a frame that I'm using in terms of how I'm viewing how I'm feeling or what my kids are up to or what our family might need right now. Um, I think that some of what my resistance was initially to even look into homeschooling was this sort of labeling thing that I didn't feel comfortable with because I don't fit in any one box. But when I use it as sort of more of a lens, it doesn't feel um, stressful or, you know, constrained to me. It just seems like a reference point. <laughs> I, I I do love, I love that metaphor. I, yeah. Cause my blog collection is life through the lens of unschooling because that's it. It really right. is just a lens, a mm-hmm. way, it's, it's a framework that helps you um, explore different things, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that piece. So I wanted to dive a little bit more into uh, your de-schooling journey. Sure. I wanted to look at uh, de-schooling in the context of learning. Mm-hmm. Because when I look back at it, I kind of see two distinct phases to it. So at first, you're really opening up how you see learning. Right. Right? At first we come and it's kind of looks like school, what's in a curriculum, mm-hmm. those are the important things and all the rest of the stuff is kind of just life and what we get to after our interests and fun are take a back seat to what is more academic. Right. So we come to expand our definition of learning beyond all that to recognize all the learning and the important learning that our kids are doing as they're pursuing their interests and just living life day to day. And then once we're really comfortable there, we start to find that our need to look for that learning and to ponder where it might lead, right? That's a big thing. Oh, they're learning about this. Maybe they'll be this or maybe they'll do this, right? Mm -hmm. That starts to fade away. And we realize we don't have to look for the learning. It happens naturally. We can just focus on the living, focus on the fun and the joy and the moment that's right in front of us. That's actually more important because when you're connected in the moment, the learning is real. It has space for the learning to develop and unfold there, right? So I would love to hear um, about your take on that. What was your experience? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's a really exciting feeling to sh- to shift away from the need to categorize my kids' interests. So, you know, it did definitely start where I was like, okay, it's, I'm comfortable with them following their interests and what do these interests mean? So, you know, um, is this math? Oh, okay. Is this social studies? Oh, we're taking a road trip. That's geography. So, you know, and that was internal. I wasn't necessarily saying it to them, but it was like a comfort to me. So it's really a next level relaxation when I can just see that the value in being or being self-led is, is it like, that's the end for me. Um, but that being said, I, I, like we mentioned, everything's on a loop. I definitely slip back into those moments, you know, particularly as my oldest gets a little older and, you know, people outside of our unschooling circles are focused on more academic learning as opposed to whatever, you know, elementary learning might feel more relaxed to them. So then I do feel myself slipping back into like, has she done anything that's math lately? Or, you know, that kind of thinking. Um, but the the work I've done up to this point allows me to see that 
Um, well, the work I've done up to this point, and I should say that my community support, you know, the, the online world is amazing, but in person here locally, I also have some awesome friends who I can just text or when we're together at the park, I'm like, so what about math? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I can come back to the thought that what that shows me is something's going on with me. Like something is unsettled in how I'm feeling or thinking or being. It's not a deficit my kids are having. If, if my kids are happy and thriving and following their interests and are, you know, sharing with me that they feel supported and connected and fulfilled, then my issue of like, do they know fractions is my issue. And so I can just deal with it internally with my own um, coping mechanisms and my own like reminders to myself that of how much time it actually takes to learn something when you want to is very little. Um, and that when they get to that point and they, and if they want to learn something that we haven't gotten to that, they'll learn it. Um, so just reminding myself of like how resourceful they are, how resourceful I am and that those thoughts aren't really indicating anything other than me needing to like recenter or reconnect to someone that will remind me of what my values are instead of, you know, what boxes we've ticked or not ticked. That is totally my experience too. Um, and and I love that you're pointing out how we, you know, are more prone to label things at the beginning, like just to ourselves. And absolutely, what a great tool mm-hmm. to get us started down that path, right? Yes, it's, it's a great problem. bridge. It's a, yes, it's a, you can't yeah. like just leap to the other side, no, right? No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I couldn't anyway. No, no, I definitely couldn't. Um, And so it is a wonderful bridge to start to see that because what that does too is key us into observing our kids learning, right? Absolutely. So it's actually asking us to pay more attention. So we see that stuff in there and then we're seeing all the other stuff. We're seeing how it hits those pieces and we're seeing how maybe a challenging situation comes up and we spend the time to work through it with them. And we see them learning those interpersonal skills. And we're like, wow, that's really valuable. You know, that's how our vision of what learning means expands is because we're actually engaged with them and we're seeing what they're choosing to do and what they're learning through it. Yeah. And I also have really noticed that, um, as I've released the need to categorize, you know, academic subjects, it also has helped me make steps in releasing the need to really categorize ourselves at all. Like even in the way I describe my kids to people like, Oh, you have kids. What are they like? You know, I think I would have um, focused more on like their achievements or their age or their grade or whatever, as opposed to now I'm kind of, I'm more able to say like, Oh, she's just, this one's, you know, a huge ball of energy and loves this and isn't into that and jokes about this. It's more about who we are and that there are actually many more ways to be than, than in some of the systems we're in, you know, school only being one of those systems, but that some of the systems that we're in constrain us in ways that, um, make us think there's sort of these categories to choose from when really there's, you know, so many more. Um, So losing those categories academically has also helped me sort of tiptoe into realizing all the other categories we're putting on ourselves in other places and other ways. Yeah. Once you start questioning one kind of box, (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. what other boxes are out there that I kind of took for granted, right? Exactly. <laughs> I used to love, at, well, and still do, coming up with different ways to describe my kids when yeah. people would ask, like, you know, what they're up to or whatever. And it would just be so fun. The, the only important thing was that we're sharing it with joy and positive energy. And, you know, I never got pushback, but it was always like planting a seed that it was an unexpected answer, but it also made them think for a moment, like that's yeah. a totally cool answer too. So that was yeah, we, we had a really good laugh recently because our, our library has been having virtual book clubs during pandemic. It's been amazing. And some of our fellow unschool friends are in there. So they'll all be together in zoom. And one of the librarians prompted them like, Oh, so-and-so what, what grade are you in? And she was like, I don't know, like second. And she's like, one of the other kids was like, aren't you 12? And she goes, yeah, I was just saying something. I don't really know. And then like our other kids were like, yeah, like it doesn't really matter. And I was just like, oh my gosh, how funny. And what was amazing is even the librarian was like, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like she just went with it. You know, their, their confidence was just, <laughs> and oh my gosh, behind the scenes, the moms and I were like, oh no, texting like, oh dear, dude. <laughs> that was very interesting. <laughs> That's good. But then like, look, I, that's so wonderful that the librarian noticed. Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. What a meaningless question, actually. Yeah. She was just like, I don't know. I mean, she was making conversation. She was yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And then she just let it go. She's wonderful. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Uh, so then the other piece that you were talking about, I'm trying to remember here. Um, when we get across that bridge yeah, and giving them more space to just be. That comes with experience too. That's why, you know, when we talk to people as they come to unschooling, it's like really six months minimum a year because you need just to get, just to explore. Yeah. Unschooling oh, yeah. And, ha- and let it unfold because you need that time to get, um, you know, across the bridge to start to see uh, what's up and to give your kids that space to be. Because it's there when you you see them in action. You've seen over time some of those interests ebb and flow, and you've seen the connections like from three interests back. So you're like, yeah, you know, that stuff is really connecting with who they are as a person. And they're using it to say, oh, yeah, and you know what? That's not quite the way I want to explore that thing. I'm going to, I drop that interest and I go try something else. And how that's great and beautiful for them and you start to see how their personality meshes with the things that they choose and then you get really comfortable giving that space to be because you've seen it work enough times that you can embrace that and and not worry about the categorization so much it's just such a a valuable experience, but it takes time to get there, doesn't it? It takes a lot of time and it also takes a lot of um, self-reflection, which can be challenging um, because, you know, for our family in particular, our kids never went to school. So they didn't have as much sort of de-schooling to do. Certainly there's things around us in the world that they take in, but you know, for, for my husband and I, who did go to school and, you know, he's from a family of educators and I went all the way through my master's degree. So we have just this very, um, lifelong, uh, sort of view of how, how to categorize ourselves and how learning works and what order things go in. So for us, it's a, it's a lot more effort than it actually is for them. And so the effort is just in us doing that work in a way that's, um, 
amongst ourselves while still giving them kind of the um, unburdened experience of just being and learning. Um, And sometimes, especially now that they're older, talking through things with them about like, this is why this is hard for me. Like, this is something that I learned and then later learned this about myself that I did. I didn't need to learn that way. And that's why I've, you know, presented these options to you differently. So, um, it, it's a lot of self-reflection while you're crossing that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh, but <laughs> as you know, how do you know there, there's crying too? Usually <laughs> that's fine. And, and it doesn't go away. Right. What, no. what happens? I think, Uh, you know, my experience has been is like the reactions to things. So feel I can more quickly recognize if I tense up, I can more clearly or quickly recognize if I say something that lands a little off with them. So, you know, recognizing that I have some work to do, I just recognize it more often than not more, more quickly now, but yeah, it doesn't go away. You know, it's a, (laughs) Yeah, you got to revisit the bridge too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another idea that I thought we could uh, talk about untangling, and that's the idea of if our children choose what they want to do, right? I think this is part of going across the bridge. We can think that they'll never do hard things then because they get to right. choose, or mm-hmm. even something that they just don't find particularly enjoyable. They're going to avoid that too. Mm-hmm. Because on the surface, that makes sense. And it does. we could do that whole dive into the boxes <laughs> and sure. view children, all, all these right. um, frameworks, conventional frameworks on how we see children. Um, so it does make sense through that framework. But as we de-school and we dig deeper and digging deeper is deeper into ourselves and observing our kids in action. The story really is very different, isn't it? Yeah, this, this, this particular topic for me has been a long, um, nonlinear detanglement. Um, and with like so many other parenting, you know, realizations and journeys, it's, mostly revolved around my thinking and rethinking like my beliefs and reframing my own childhood um, and learning experience in a way, you know, not to like alternate or again, make an alternate history, but just to view it as an adult looking back at it versus the child experience I had. And I can even still feel, I don't feel them anymore, but I can feel the way I bristled internally when, um, I was pushing through this thought, which gives me huge empathy when, when I'm talking about this with other adults and I can visibly see them, like their hackles come up when I explain that, like our approach to learning with our kids is um, giving them space and in, for their interests and their, their, the time they need with them. And there are no compulsory elements. So um, I know that some people associate homeschooling with school at home. And so once I'm kind of like in a, you know, relationship with someone where they're more curious, I'm like, you know, there actually is no, no element to their day that they have no say over. Um, and their response and my old response is like, you know, life is full of things we don't want to do. And it, yeah, it is like, it totally is. Like I just did my taxes this week. Um, you know, for example, <laughs> and I didn't want to, but, um, where it got to me eventually when I like unwound the, the thinking is 
that doing things we don't enjoy, like life admin is what I call it because I don't like it, um, to support a life we love is not the same as doing things we are compelled to do. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to take this test, but I want to get into this program. So I take the test for me. Like, I don't like cleaning, but when my house is clean, I feel really good. So I clean it, you know, so there's endless examples. And I will say, you know, to parents, particularly of younger kids, which I would still, you know, consider myself, my, my oldest is only 10. Um, being in community virtual or in person with, with unschooled families, with older kids has helped me tremendously. Um, I know we're really trying as unschoolers not to be outcome driven, but I also live in the world and reality. So seeing my friends with teens that have been never stepped foot a day in their life in a school and have been unschooled. And then I see them like wanting to do a trade program. So then they figure out these are the steps and then they have to take this course and then they have to take this test. And that like, they don't want to take the test. Nobody like, no one's, well, I should say no one. Most people don't <laughs> like taking a test, but they do it because that's a decide, you know, a decision they made of something they want to do, or they, you know, want to get into a certain college program. They find what the, you know, the prereqs are. We have one, you know, unschool in our community who just signed up for his ACT because he wants to get in this certain program. I mean, so we do things we don't want to do Either way, it's just a matter of whether we're doing things we don't want to do in service of what we do want to do. It's it's a matter of whether we're doing things we don't want to do, but still being who we want to be. And that's a big difference between being compelled into doing things we don't want to do for no apparent reason to us. Like that doesn't make sense to us when it's not our choice. I feel like um, the way uh children live in an unschooling family is actually amazing training for lack of a better word for doing those hard things because they're always choosing their goals right they're always choosing the things that they want to get to and they are putting up with the annoying things along the way like something as simple as I want to beat this video game and there's this puzzle or this boss or something that I'm having a really hard time with, but they persevere through that. Like they choose or they choose not to. And they're like, Oh, I'm not going to reject. Like all that experience informs them moving forward when their goals are just bigger things. Right. Yeah. And I think it's sort of this idea that, you know, at least for me, what I've had to struggle with releasing is this idea that I can prevent my kids from having regrets or that I can prevent them from making a mistake or having to change something later. But in reality, I don't have that much control over anything. And when I think about, you know, decisions I've made, even the things I've done out of my own interest that I later am like, that was maybe not the best use of my time or resources. It, again, like I'm trying not to make it mean something. So it's just something I did. It's just something I learned. It's just a thing that happened. And now I'm moving on from it with this new information. So I think some of this idea that like we have to compel kids to do things that are unpleasant is, you know, on kind of unresolved pain we have from being compelled to do that. At least that's a little bit how I feel when I, when I think about, you know, how much I devoted to, to getting straight A's when like, really I'm like 40 years old now and nobody cares like what grade you got in middle school, you know? So, but also just this idea that we can somehow 
make them not go the wrong path by having these, you know, kind of like life experiences that we think are the most necessary when really, you know, no matter how hard we try, they are going to make mistakes. They are just going to, and they'll probably have regrets. I don't mean like serious life, just like, oh, maybe I should have, maybe I should have, you know, taken that course that I wanted to, to get in that program and I'll have to do it next year now, or, you know, this is going to happen no matter how, whether we force it on them or not, those kind of things are going to come up. Yeah, I love looking at it through the lens of our own um, experiences, our own regrets, uh, the idea that it's bad to make mistakes. Right. Right. For things to go like, I don't even like calling them mistakes. I'd say when things go awry, when things go sure. unexpectedly. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not that, you know, so often, even when you think back, it's like, you know what, in that situation, I would probably, I would make the same choice and right. I end up having that experience and I've learned from it. And now I'm a dick, like we were talking about those loops right now. I'm yeah. a different person. The next time a similar thing comes up, right? Absolutely. Gaining more experience to bring forward with you. And in fact, I learned that through watching my kids. Oh, for really, sure. <laughs> because things would go wrong for them. And then they'd, they'd be like, oh, and and move forward and make a different choice. It's like, wow, I don't have to have all this regret and feelings of shame and failure <laughs> because it didn't go right, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing the empathy and sort of patience I'll give to my children when things go wrong for them and they want to just cry about it. And I'm like, yeah, look cry about it. Like, let's have a minute. Oh, go do what you need to do. Like, how can I help? But then when things go wrong for me, I can go to like shame and blame of myself. And what did I do instead of meeting myself with that same um, patience and understanding that these, these are just actually unavoidable parts of life and not, um, not, not, not only something not to try to avoid, but that you actually can't avoid. It's a, it's a waste of energy to do that. Which is exactly why we don't need to put fake hardships on top of our kids because there's going to be enough of them anyway, right? Yes. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. You can't make a perfect life for someone. And you know what? That is, you know, maybe some people come to unschooling and at first it can seem almost utopian, right? You know, what we want to do and, you know, we just go through our days however we want but yeah, you soon realize that, you know, life has these pieces that our, our choices aren't unlimited. We have the context of our environment. We have the context of a pandemic, you know, there yeah. are things that come up and, and it's actually um, working your way through the flow of all those things. I was going to say balancing them, but that is not a useful image. (laughs) It's really not. No. Yeah. And I mean, I have had someone like most people that I talk to about, you know, the way we live and learn are, you know, supportive and curious, but you know, you do have people who are a little more not that. And I have had someone say like, well, do you think you're just like shielding your shielding them from reality or whatever, because they're not, and their implication was specific to school, like that they're not in school and like, you know, have this this homework and this grade and these expectations. And it just, I'm not even mad at that question. Cause I'm sure I could have asked it 10 years ago or whatever, five years ago, maybe even, but 
also, it's very hard to explain why I feel that that's totally true when you're embedded in thinking that that is the reality instead of a reality. Like I have, yes, my children will not, I suppose, know some of those particular hardships, like the homework thing or the, I don't know, being late for school or the lining up and whatever, being quiet thing. But they have other challenges that they're navigating all the time. And just like every person on earth, and they are going to have more of those every you know year of their life, just like everyone else. And they're going to find a way through it, maybe a different way. Um, but I'm not worried about their, you know, reality, if you want to use the, you know, the word that person used, because that's only a concern if you're feeling is that the, the, the default of children is to be in school. And that's just not what feels true to me. Yeah. But that, that, that is better. Right. right. Often when they're looking at that box as being um, better, more valuable, sure. it's because they're looking at the adult box. Exactly. A nine to five, a, a typical nine sure. to five job where you sit at a desk, you know, school's training you, you know, for. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people give resistance, they're expecting me to push back, like to argue against school to them. And that's actually not anything to do with, I, I don't feel against school. I feel for our life and our family and what we're trying to do. And I can't tell you what the future will hold, what my kids will want to do or, you know, classes they want to take schools. They might want to try. I'm just here to make it as possible and safe for them to find out what they're interested in and and how they best pursue their interests for us. I'm not really here to because that's recruit anyone or or dissuade anyone from anything else. It's not my, it's not up to me. Yeah. It's, because those are our values, you know, that, that is what is working. Like, and for me, my kids went to school for a few years because I hadn't sure. even heard of homeschooling. Right. Right. It's just what worked for us as a family. Like I too went to school and it was a fine experience, whatever. So, you know, I imagine I could have gone through that path, sure. but by, you know, being engaged with my kids and watching them, that's what tweaked me to start finding other possibilities because this actually just for them personally, wasn't a great fit. So yeah, for me, it's more about having the choice, like not that this isn't the only path. There are lots of other ways that you can do this family thing. And we're feeling it out as we go. That's yeah, what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's that's kind of where the difference is, right? Too, it can be like I preach, I pre-choose this path, and I work lovingly, generously with my family to walk that path, right? Again, it's it's not a judgment on people no. who choose that path at all, you know. No. Um, and we're just choosing a different one. So yeah, for me, it's it's more about opening it up, and it being different choices for people and no one is um, like more valued than another. Right. What works best for that family. And at this time, right. Because things can also change. Circumstances can change. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have talked about a couple of the schooling pieces that you've worked Mm -hmm. through. So I was wondering if there was another challenging aspect of your de-schooling journey that we could dive into a little bit? 
Yeah, I thought about this a bit. And um, it's interesting because what really came up to like for me in my mind is not so much a challenge in terms of like our personal experience, de-schooling or, you know, my personal experience as a parent, but more something you sort of mentioned before, like once you um, see a certain box, you know, the school box as like not being necessarily real or not the only choice, you sort of start expanding that view and, and it applies everywhere. So not, not a challenge for me, but sort of it has made me always challenging my view of the world. And, you know, the good news is that the challenge is like, I'm realizing and learning and seeing systems um, that we live in and amongst that, you know, the systems being sort of abstract, but the human beings and them being very real and seeing a lot of ways that these systems don't serve the individuals in them in the way that I sort of started unpacking my, you know, my schooling experience and the the hopes I had for my kids. So I guess that sort of just means that um, even in systems that are intending to help us, sometimes they don't work for how humans and people actually live. And so de-schooling, my understanding of learning and education has led to me thinking more deeply about um, other systems, you know, privilege. And I mean, even just the privilege that it is to opt out from school, um, you know, racism, access to wellness and healthcare, um, environmental justice. So like these are, I think the challenge for me is that these are all things that were on my radar in life before, you know, in my life as a social worker, my time as a person, but has given me again, that lens, like you mentioned in your blog, like to view them through differently. So it's not so much a challenge, but that I'm being challenged um, all the time in a good way. But the challenge simply being how this thinking reveals more and more about how we as individuals function in systems um, that are all around us. And so I think the challenge can just be like the fatigue of that sometimes and how to um how to, as an individual, make small changes that can be impactful for not just like my immediate family, but perhaps people on my block or people in my town. Um, So I think it's just sort of maybe the challenge is the Pandora's box opening and that there's no, like we said, there's no end. And it's, it's like, for me, a a ongoing thing that, um, you know, I don't, I guess in this way of, you know, flipped your question that the challenge isn't a negative thing, not that you meant it that way, but that it's a, a sort of um, ongoing ev- evolution that can be really wonderful and really tiring um, and is totally worth it, but there's no end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right back to what we were talking about. School. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it is a, a, a wonderful opportunity for our own personal growth is really where it is. Right. And that it never ends. And, you know, so often when you're, when you start with the school, no school, not school question, you don't realize that Pandora's box is <laughs> right. there waiting to be opened. But yes, it is, it is so worth it. And it's yeah. so worth those questions. And we were talking about this earlier on the network, actually, how, um, 
because you were talking about how we we process through itself ourselves and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how can maybe we make choices that help within our neighborhood maybe within just our our community group and how that can expand and um we were talking about that also in the context of our family right mm-hmm. when you've got younger kids and your hands are full time wise um, just helping them moving through the day. A lot of that is more internal work. It was yeah. my experience anyway. It was a lot of thinking. And well, and it still is like right now, my son and I are really diving deep into even how how those systems came about because yeah. I feel like, I mean, there was good intentions at some point, but then yeah, they uh-huh. grew well beyond the individuals, right? And even redefine, redefining the whole thing. So it's just a fascinating um, thing to look at and to think about the different ways that we can look at maybe dismantling them or just planting seeds around for the individuals um, that we can engage with or affect in our lives or, you know, online. Like there's just so many possibilities. And sometimes I think we can kind of beat ourselves up and Mm -hmm. like run out of energy, like trying to do all this. Um, But I, what I love seeing, especially in the unschooling community is how people, certain things become passions for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we are as human beings, we are community and we don't have to try to fix all the things but if we can um, find what really connects for us and what we would love to bring out and um, work with, say, our, we start with our family, but then our community and then our neighbors and all that, all those little pieces, it's back to connecting with ourselves. And as we're learning about these things and see what really strikes us, we can, you know, move forward with that. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, helped me to, when, you know, one of my like personality traits is being really future focused. And like when I'm not, you know, at my best feeling future, like fixated almost. And um, the, the, tools I've gained through unschooling, which started in the school, not school conversation, and then expanded so much are what is happening right now, you know, in the same way that I'm answering the question, will she be able to do calculus someday with, is she happy right now? Like, is she thriving? Are her needs met? Like that can bring me back to reality. The same goes for these larger, um, systematic conversations, right? Where it's like, well, will this ever be fixed? Will it ever be better? Is there ever, you know, going to be, and instead being like today, this week, you know, this month, what am I saying like out in the world to my friends, to, you know, the internet or whatever that's countering them in some small way? What am I doing? Where am I putting my money or my resources or my time today in a way that I might not even imagine how that affects the future. And in the same way that, you know, that the point of supporting our kids in this way isn't to make sure they can get into Harvard. It's to not imagine what they want to do and let them do it. You know, so I'm trying to apply that same thinking to my hopes for these larger systems in the sense of what am I doing today that feels right, that feels like 
my, you know, my ability to impact this with no real expectation for what that will bring in two, 10, 20 years. Um, not that I don't want to have hopes, but that I'm not tying those to, to my actions today, because that's where for me, um, in the micro part of, you know, raising my children and in the macro part of trying to be part of the solutions to problems that will give me paralysis. If I, um, project too far into the what ifs, because as we know, um, I can do as many projections as I want, but there's variables that I literally can't even fathom that are, that are available to, you know, put you to ruin my vision in a puff of smoke. So I'm really trying to apply that same micro thinking that I'm using on helping my kids see themselves as learners and capable people as giving myself that same um, grace and support to be, a person who makes change, no matter how small it is without a, um, without grading it, you know, so to speak, without being like, am I Greta Thunberg? You know, like, (laughs) no, I'm just me here doing this one little thing today. And that's enough. And tomorrow is tomorrow. So it's really amazing for me, the way that, that this all started with me being like, oh, I've bought a kindergarten curriculum. And it wants me to sing. And then that was like a deal breaker for me. (laughs) I don't like to sing. I don't like children's music. And then now I'm like, oh, you know, my 10 year old taught herself to read and she's obsessed with dragons. So like, you know, in that same way, I'm trying to apply that to a larger um, part of my, you know, my, my being in community with the rest of the world and say, don't project into what the future may or may not be. And whether what you're doing is like going to fix everything, just see if today this feels like the right thing to do. Okay. So that was brilliant. I have so many pieces that came up for me that being in the moment, that's where you, you ended off there. Yeah. Yeah. Me um, that that's, I I asked myself, you know, uh, who's, who's the person I want to be like, who do I want to be in this moment? And that encourages me to make those bigger picture choices in this moment. So who do I want to be in this moment? Isn't just in the context of this moment. It's in the context of all those, Mm -hmm. you know, systems and boxes and all that kind of stuff. Who do I want to be in this moment? The idea um, that you had about not worrying about the future so much, like not because you can you can get fixated on an answer. And then I just you can get fixated on a path to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. And then that's when you start judging. You can easily start judging what maybe what doing are doing towards that path. And and that's when we start stepping on each other's feet um, there really is space for lots of people to be tr- getting, trying to get to that vision. And all those different steps are valuable because that's what is there. All the different paths are valuable because we're all different people. We have different personalities. We have different strengths. You know, we have different things as individuals that we bring to the story right? Of moving through these challenges. And oh, darn, there was one other piece. Um, Was it how I don't like children's music? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) 
I'm so sorry. Um, but I was going to say like, before I sound like I have it all together, I, I am still prone to this like future worry. And I think what's really key for people who might be newer to unschooling and are like, how will I ever get there is you won't. And that's fine. And what you need is, you know, a, a, a one to 10 person sounding board. I mean, I shot off a text a week or two ago to some friends being like, this is what's happening. This is what it makes me think. This is what I'm worrying. And um, they reliably were like, these are real worries and please stop doing it, you know, in their various ways. So it's not something I'm like done doing. I'm not like always in the moment and totally present. I'm very much prone to this worry, but I'm just now more aware of how to bring myself back, which is a huge difference as opposed to just spiraling off into it. So for me, it's not so much like, I don't want to, like, I'm worried someone will listen to be like, well, she has it together. No, I'm very much not having it together. But the point is, is that if I have enough, you know, people around me to like bring me back to the reminder of what I've told them, my values are and where I want to be and how I want to be thinking. And then I can do that for them. And that in their moment, it's actually not necessary for me to like fix that personality trait. I still get to have it. I just get to not be totally pushed around by it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so yes, that did tweak me as to what I was about to say because I was listening. It was it's a client. It was a climate podcast. Um, I think it, I think it's called How to Save a Planet. But they were talking um, the other week about change and do individuals change? You know, how sure. much input do they really have towards that future goal? And so they were talking about a few studies, and you know, they really said that yes, it can feel and it is that our individual choices. Um, won't individually have a huge impact yet what it is is living those choices with the people around you right so other people are seeing them other people so you know just like we have people asking about unschooling once in a while when your kids don't go to school you know what's that about you you know uh, you know we always talk about like planting those seeds um, when people are curious answering their questions so that they can just see that there are other ways and that can be encouraging for them. Um, so that was really the conclusion they came out with. And I yeah. and I did feel good in that. It's like, oh, yeah, that has worked in so many different areas of my life. Like, yeah, I can think unschooling is wonderful. And why isn't everybody doing it or whatever? But yeah, it's it's not about that, right? No. That's not a useful goal to have. Or no. to try and evangelize unschooling. Yeah. Not trying to convert a person at all. No, someone's curious. I love to share, right? And I mean, what the podcast is all about. And then your other point about surrounding yourself with community that have the same kinds of values and the same kinds of paths that they're walking, so that when a challenge arises for us, when we have this little blip, we can have conversations with them that actually help us continue to walk in the direction that we want to walk. Because if say we go to um, more conventional friends or extended family and we see we're having the problem, you know what, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, you know, first put your kids in school because <laughs> sure. that is their, that's their lens, right? That's sure. how they're seeing things. They feel that that will fix a lot of things that might come up worrying about math, send them to school, you know, right. 
So finding that community where you can ask questions and get answers through the framework and in the direction on the path that you are interested in continuing on, that's priceless. Yeah, it's it's really, really valuable. I'm so lucky to have um, another parent led the way in our community, um, paving this for us, having unschooling minded families connected. Shout out to Cassandra. Um, And also I will add that when I was newer to unschooling, it was more uncomfortable for me to bring up these challenges with my friends who maybe don't, you know, their kids are in conventional school or they don't really know what it is. But as I became more, um, you know, confidence, not the right word, but comfortable or, um, you know, just more, more, more clear what I was saying myself. Um, I shared with them my values, like, so, Hey, you know, um, this is what we're doing and this is what I'm hoping for and whatever. And, and truly just saying this because I know a lot of people live in, in isolation from other unschoolers, um, that, you know, physical isolation, is that once I gave them that, that lens and that, those boundaries, like, you know, I'm not going to put her in school. So that's off the table. You know, maybe I didn't say it that clearly, but that, that way they're actually a super valuable resource. They're happy to think through other ways of solving problems and being sort of just unapologetic, but also clear means that you could have these conversations with anyone who's um, respects you enough to connect with you on what your values are and not on what their expectations for your values are. So I just say that because me being somewhere very like rural, I realize that I'm in a very rare position to have this many like unschooler or unschoolish families nearby and other people I know are, are not as lucky. So finding that my non unschooly friends and family were actually really for the, for the most part, supportive and can answer my questions in a way that makes sense to me once I gave them the boundaries might be helpful to someone. Yes. And I love the point that stood out for me was when you had the language for it. Yes. Yeah. And then it, that took me a bit. Yeah. Bridge, right. Is, yeah. is at first, it's really hard to describe what we're doing. It's really hard just to answer people's questions about mm-hmm. it. It really is about, um, revisiting the words that we use to describe things. And it takes a while till we understand. And like you said, gain that comfortableness. So I have this intellectual understanding of how unschooling works. Um, But when you start to see it in action with your kids, you see it unfolding, that gives you that level of comfort. And you also get much better at being able to describe it in words that connect with people who may not have that lens, right? It's fascinating how words can mean such different things depending on the experience, life experience that you bring to it, right? Absolutely. You learn how to describe how to, like you said, I probably didn't say, yeah, she's not going to school, but you know, you gave them a context for it able to describe it. So I think the whole language thing is really fascinating on the unschooling journey as well. (laughs) Totally. That's a whole like podcast in itself. Yeah. (laughs) So I would love to know what is your favorite thing about the flow of your unschooling days right now? Yeah. um, That for me is just generally being um, 
unhurried. So I love a f- like sort of a loose structure and a plan, but I also feel stressed by deadlines and, and being out the door at a certain time. So um, for me, uh, luckily I am able to work from home and our mornings are very rarely chaotic. I recently had to not that recently, obviously because of pandemic, but I had to wake my kids up for a flight last year and they were like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> Like they were excited because it was a flight, but still they were like, how, what? Um, So just feeling unhurried, like having some time to wake up and be slow and then get on with our day and um, prioritizing our time as we want to. I live in a um, long winter type of place. So when the weather is good, I base all of our, like, I'm like, everything's canceled. (laughs) Not that we have that much going on, but um, so just being able to like, to have the autonomy over our time, um, I think gives my kids a lot of that unstructured play and exploration time that we know is so valuable to their truly to their brain chemistry. Um, but also as a parent gives me a bit of pressure release from always feeling like I need to be planning and, and keeping them engaged because they have these skills to sort of navigate that unstructured time. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. That was something that I learned through coming to unschooling, how valuable that unstructured time was. Like, at first I came to unschooling and I thought, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to go to the science center. We're gonna oh, yeah. We're going to hikes at the park. We're going to go to the art gallery. We're going to do all the things. <laughs> and then to learn over the next few months that, oh, actually, <laughs> what's yeah. been more valuable is the space and to let those things blow in as they will rather than yep. put them as a framework on top of our days. Right. Absolutely. Those are like bonuses, but also that we get to do during the week and non-busy hours <laughs> for me. That's a huge bonus. Right. I'm not a huge extrovert. Um, but yeah, just really realizing um, I can see when my kids are in, you know, when you know, your kids are in a growth spurt, they're kind of like, whether that be intellectual or physical or whatever, they kind of get really, need a lot more fuel and a lot more rest. And I'm just so grateful that they're, that we're able to sort of give that to them in a way that follows their patterns and needs um, as well as mine. You know, there's days where I just can't leave here. I need to lay down. I need to hibernate. Um, And, and there's room for that too. So I think it's the focus on like family needs with individuals within that, instead of focusing only on our kids and a schedule and what they, you know, should be doing quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me, Lane. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me, Pam. Oh, it was my pleasure. And before we go, where can people connect with you online? Yeah. So my favorite place to connect online is on Instagram and I'm very active there sharing our unschooling days uh, and our cat's antics. So I am um, at Liz period lemonade is my Instagram handle and you can meet me there. Yes. Yes. I really love following you and (laughs) I will put the link to that in the show notes. Great. Thanks so much, Lane, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.